Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rona solo for the final hour, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern, of course. This has been our new time now. It's the third week here as we move from the evening to the afternoon. And you can always listen to the show on demand anytime you want. If you can't listen live, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis on the gram at Aaron88. And make sure you check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. Again, the promo code BATS50 gets you 50% off your first two months as we're getting you set for the fantasy baseball season as the attention should shift there pretty much 100% right now because... It will be here before you know it. Season kicks off March 20th, two games in Japan. So keep that in mind when you're scheduling your draft date. So yeah, it's February 4th, and it seems like it's far away, but it's going to be here before you know it. So if you haven't began your prep, do it now. And the best way to do that is our fantasy baseball draft kit at scoutfantasysports.com. Bats 50 gets you 50% off your first two months. We have in-depth team outlooks from Sean Childs, one of the best high-stakes players around. His latest one is a look at my New York Mets. So I got to check that out. Hopefully it's some positive. But picture of Jacob DeGrom there uh, as the cover photo. And DeGrom going in the first round of many drafts. And don't think last year was a fluke. He's been a good pitcher for several years. But he has already covered all the American League teams. You can get a free sample of the Boston Red Sox and Baltimore Orioles just to get a taste of exactly what he does. And... If you like it, you come join and take advantage of that discount. Uh, I have a lot of look at players who are joining new teams. Uh, looking at Nelson Cruz with the Twins. Sonny Gray with the Reds. Uh, Yasiel Puig with the Reds. Uh, the Reds have made a lot of moves here this offseason. Look at A.J. Pollock going to the Dodgers. I uh, look at Jesus Aguirre was last year a for real, the breakout with Merrifield. Is he being overvalued? I answered that. And I also take a look at Jamison Tyon. Very interesting player for this upcoming season. So you can check out all those articles right now as part of our fantasy baseball draft kit. And if you have any questions, keeper leagues, trades, and dynasty, we will answer them on the message boards and the forums anytime you ask them. Of course, we also have you covered scoutdfs.com for... NHL, PGA, and NBA. If you sign up and you use the promo code HOOPS50, you get 50% off your first month for NBA. That includes Optimizer and Slack Chat leading up to Lineup Lock. Uh, we got optimizers for all those sports, so check that out. And, of course, VegasWhispers.com for your sports betting needs. And you can go to uh, VegasWhispers.com and follow them on Twitter. You could see how well... They did on the prop bets this weekend. Uh, you know, a bunch of us from the site gave our picks for the weekend. Uh, my picks were Pats minus two and a half. That covered. I had the over. That did not cover. 
I had Brady as the MVP, even though I hated the odds, but I figured if New England would win, he'd be the MVP. Uh, we did have uh, Frank Tadeo had Julian Edelman. Uh, he came on the show Friday and said he liked that at 45 to 1, so that worked out. My favorite player prop was Edelman over 6.5. That hit. Uh, my player to score a first touchdown was Gronk at 10 to 1. Uh, that did not hit, obviously. So it was only damn one touchdown. And my favorite game prop was the first scoring play, Patriots field goal plus 400, and that hit as well. So it was a very good weekend there for VegasWhispers.com, and we will continue to give that, whether it's player props, college basketball is a big thing, NBA. So we'll got you covered there for sure. So lots of ways to make money. Uh, we'll have Bill Enright, FFChamps.com, coming up in the next segment to talk a little bit more Super Bowl, get his thoughts on things. Uh, I will go over some of the top news in the NBA and get you set for the night in NBA DFS coming up in the final segment. We do have a six-game slate for tonight and already have uh, some injury news on that, and we might even get more during this show or, of course, later on as we are getting closer to the All-Star break. And we also have the trade deadline on Thursday, so it's going to be pretty interesting to see if we get any trades, especially with all the rumors about Anthony Davis circulating already. A trade involving the Lakers was sent out there over the weekend, and now ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting the Bucks are on Anthony Davis' list of teams he, be, he would be willing to sign long-term with. So uh, there are several teams on that list. Uh, Lakers, Knicks are among them. Um, so we'll see what happens, and uh, maybe we'll get that news this week as we got the big surprise last week about Chris Dabbs Porzingis going to Dallas. But we want to talk a little bit more about this game, uh, Super Bowl. I know we talked about it in the first segment, uh, but I want to just go a little bit more extensive and give my thoughts again. Uh, the Todd Gurley thing is just mind-boggling here, and I have to think he's hurt. And that was my inclination the whole time. I almost got swayed because I looked at it and I said, all right, you know what? He's not on the injury report, and that's a big deal because if he wasn't on the injury report and they find out he's hurt, limited at practice, the Rams could be in big trouble. They'll get a big fine, and they could potentially lose a draft pick. This is a big deal. It's the Super Bowl. You wouldn't mess around. So when you see he's not on the injury report and you hear Sean McVay talk about, okay, well, we got to get Gurley the ball more. You know, part of me said, okay, I'm going to buy it. But – just what happened in the NFC Championship game, I couldn't. I just couldn't buy it. I was so close. I was like three and a half receptions for Gurley. You know, the Patriots' weakness is pass-catching running backs. C.J. Anderson doesn't excel in that area. They got to throw to Gurley if they want to win this game. Well, maybe they didn't want to win this game from the way they used them, but something is up. There's no way you have a back like Gurley who you paid all this money to and you utilize him in such limited fashion. I just, it's mind-boggling. It would be awful if we find out that Gurley was fine, maybe slightly limited by this knee that he had the MRI on in late December, and he just wanted to use C.J. Anderson more. Because uh, give C.J. Anderson credit, he came in, he had some good games, but again, who were they against? Against Arizona and San Francisco? Supposed to get excited about that? And he ran over Dallas, and part of it was Dallas was not as good a, against the run on the road. And the Rams knew what the formations were, and they were able to exploit it. But the game against the Saints, he did nothing. He did nothing. There was no reason for – you couldn't use the excuse, well, Anderson's running very well against the Saints, so we're going to stick with him, or we're going to go with the odd hand. He wasn't hot. Same thing in this game. He was 7 for 22, almost lost a fumble, was fortunate it went out of bounds. So 
to me, Gurley has got to be hurt. There's definitely something else here. And I know he doesn't want to admit it. And obviously, if they did admit it now, he'd get in big trouble. But it's going to be real interesting to see if he does have surgery or if there's a report in a couple weeks, well, this is what happened and he was dealing with this because something's not right here. There's no way you can utilize Gurley in such a limited fashion and especially not in the passing game. And that's the thing that boggles my mind here is you had Sean McVay come into this game and like, what was the game plan? This team never seemed ready. They didn't make any adjustments. Where were the screen passes? You know, that's one way to exploit the Patriots defense. Throw to the running backs. We didn't see it. Gurley had one catch. C.J. Anderson had two. I mean, clearly what they were doing wasn't working. You have to make some adjustments. And you couldn't lean on Jared Goff in this game. It was pretty apparent early on. Now you could say, okay, let me wait it out. It's the first quarter, some nerves. But there was never any indication that Goff was going to get going in this game. He was constantly under duress. He did not handle it well. You couldn't rely on Goff to win this game. You needed to run the football or at least come up with some different play calls. Get a receiver on an end around. Feed Gurley in the passing game with some screens to negate and nullify some of the pressure that the Patriots were bringing. And we saw none of that. It was just a terrible, terrible performance by the Rams and specifically McVay, who did take a lot of the blame after the game, and rightfully so. Because you had a whole, what, 40-minute halftime? Come up with some new plays. Come up with and make some adjustments. You're only down 3 nothing. It was 3-3 after the third quarter. This game was there for them. As poorly as they played, make some adjustments and go with it. Be aggressive. And that's far from what we saw. And we just knew. Once this game went to the fourth quarter, I knew Brady was going to make a play. He was going to f- somehow come up with something. And I know Doc and I disagreed on the Rams' defense. And... It's just, I cannot blame the Rams' defense in this one. They gave up 13 points. They held Brady to 262, a touchdown and a pick. And you could say, well, Brady was terrible. Well, the Rams' defense deserves some of that credit. And yeah, they gave up yards on the ground. But that's not why they lost this game. They lost this game on offense. Their offense couldn't even get them one touchdown. Their offense gets two touchdowns, they win this game. An offense that averaged, what, 33 points in the regular season? Asking for two touchdowns? It's not a lot to ask for, considering what they did in the regular season. And they came out here and had three points? I don't think the Rams' defense is at fault here at all. Sure, yeah, they gave up you know, a couple big plays, and they couldn't stop Edelman, and that was a problem. I mean, I've always said it. I've said it for weeks now. You look at this Patriots offense, and how are teams not stopping them? They don't throw the ball deep at all. I mean, the longest pass in this game was 29 yards, the one that Gronk caught to set up the go-ahead touchdown. So this is a team that doesn't throw the ball deep. We know it's a lot of short passes to Edelman, to Gronk, to James White, who barely was a factor in this game with one catch for five yards. So you sit there and you're like, how is this Patriots offense not being stopped? And should they have done and given more attention to Edelman? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he had 10 for 141, but they weren't big plays. You know, you can allow a team to march down the field if you're going to buckle up in the red zone. And I think there was only one play in this game from both teams right in the red zone. And it was the Sony Michelle touchdown. That's it. So the Rams kept the Patriots out of the red zone the entire game except for that one play. 
So you could say, well, they gave up 4.8 yards per carry. They couldn't stop Edelman. Fine. The objective is to limit your opponent from getting in the end zone. They held the Patriots to 13 points. They did their job. I don't care what all the other stats are. They held them to 13 points. If I told you before the game, Patriots are scoring 13, everybody would be on the Rams. Everyone. You'd be like, really? They only need to score 16, 17, 20? They can do that against this Patriots defense. And they didn't. They were just absolutely horrible in this game. And Goff was so bad. And you could tell early on. And that was my biggest concern. That's why I couldn't take the Rams. I saw a lot of people taking the Rams. And I'm just like, I want them to win. I was rooting for the Rams. I didn't see it. I did not. I've already learned. (laughs) You know, the Patriots are a team I picked against in the AFC games. I was like, yeah, this is not their year. They're just not the same. And as usual, playoffs come, different team. And when you have Belichick and Brady at the helm, very difficult to knock them off. And we know Philly did it last year. But a big reason was they were very aggressive. They had the mindset, we're going to punch you in the face. You're going to hit us back, but we're going to come right back at you. The Rams folded up and shriveled like Tom Hanks and Castaway. They just did not have any aggressiveness at all. They had the fourth down early in the game. I think, was it at the Patriots 40? They punted. I mean, right there. It tells you a lot. There's just no aggressiveness. And Goff was putrid. He hits Brandon Cooks with that touchdown in the end zone. And maybe we have a different game. Maybe it you know, gives them a spark. Goff gets some confidence and starts to unleash the ball a little bit earlier. Cooks was wide open. Goff took forever to see it. And by the time the ball got there, McCourty was able to knock it away. And Goff just did not see things well. And the Rams didn't help him by asking him to throw downfield consistently instead of an easy screen here, an easy out to the tight end. I mean, I know they haven't used their tight end much, but we did see them used more with Cooper Cup out, and they weren't even a factor in this game at all. Didn't even get any targets. They needed to make adjustments, and they did it. So just across the board, a terrible performance by the Rams, and uh, it came down for me when I was picking this game. I was like, even though the public the public money was on the Patriots, and that concerned me because we always saw a lot of the public money in the postseason lose, but I just couldn't find a way to pick the Rams, especially when it's two and a half. If you're getting a two and a half, it's not a huge spread. We knew the Patriots typically play close games in the Super Bowl, but two and a half's not a lot. And for me, it was like, okay, big game, big spot. Am I taking Brady and Belichick or am I taking Goff and McVay? And for me, it was pretty easy. And I did see some people think the Rams would win this game easy. I don't know how. Uh, if you're going on talent, yes. I do think the Rams had the more talented team. And the Patriots probably have gone against teams that have more talent than them. But the bottom line is, they got Tom Brady at quarterback, and as he did not play well. He did not. Most of his completions were wide open. He didn't really have to make any throws into tight windows in this game. But when he needed to make a big throw, he did. The play to Rob Gronkowski, the 29-yard reception that set up the go-ahead and only touchdown of the game, which is just mind-boggling. Even if you felt like, okay, that number is too high and they're going to go under, I don't think anyone envisioned we would see the lowest-scoring game in the history of the Super Bowl. It was definitely a big surprise. But give the Patriots credit. I know there's so many people that despise them, and I don't hate them. I don't want to see them win. I'm tired of it. But you got to give them credit. As I said previously, they just find ways to win. 
whether it's a shootout, an ugly defensive battle like we saw yesterday, they just find ways to win. And again, I just cannot wait to see what happens with this Todd Gurley situation. It is mind-boggling to me. And the only explanation I have is he's hurt or not 100% or after runs, he's experiencing pain. Maybe he's able to go out there for some plays. But the fact that he's not even on the injury report this week, it's just mind-boggling. There's no way you could tell me C.J. Anderson is as good as Gurley. There's no way. Because we saw C.J. Anderson in the last two games do nothing. He was not a difference maker. Gurley can be a difference maker. And he has to be hurt. There's no other explanation for it. For him to have 11 touches in this game. And if you would have told me before, Gurley's only going to get 11 touches, then I would have even had more confidence in the Patriots winning this game. So... Unfortunately, we didn't get a very good Super Bowl. At least it was competitive towards the end of the game. Again, it wasn't you know, the best thing to watch. I don't mind good defense. Uh, I think there was more good defense on the New England side. I thought they did a nice job bringing pressure. But I also think the Rams didn't do anything to adjust. So once again, Patriots win the Super Bowl second time in three years. And uh, definitely sucks if you don't like the Patriots. When we return, I'll be joined by Bill Enright, FFChamps.com. We'll get his thoughts on the Super Bowl when we return. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The morning after. Ultimately, Sean McVay cost them a Super Bowl. He didn't adjust. There was nothing. Oh, C.J. Anderson up the middle. You're the offensive guru? Wade Phillips and the L.A. Rams defense balled their you hold Tom Brady to three points all night? It's Sean McVay. And Sean McVay can stand, oh, I got out. Oh, I didn't see. Whatever, dude. You're talking, oh, we're texting buddies and stuff. It was pathetic. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day. 10 an hour. One person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621. 866-484-9621. That's 866-484-9621. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.
It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, check me out, scoutfantasysports.com as we're getting you set for fantasy baseball. In-depth team outlooks from Sean Childs. His latest one takes a look at the New York Mets as he's completed all his American League teams. And I'm taking a look at a lot of the free agents that have changed teams and what it means for their fantasy value. Also, doing some player profiles. The latest one takes a look at Jamison Talion. So use the promo code BATS50. Get 50% off your first two months. We'll continue to talk some Super Bowl and football, and we bring in Bill Enright, FFChamps.com, to do it. Bill, how are you today? Oh, Adam. Oh, it's all over. Oh, I can't stop crying. Uh, would that be because football's over? That's correct, my man. Nothing upsets me more than the end of football season. That means the start of baseball season's almost here. I can't stand baseball. You know I love football. Those are my two biggest passions, hating baseball, loving football. So when the Super Bowl is over, I go into this depression mode, and I can't get out of it until, you know, like the NFL Combine starts. Yeah, I'm the complete opposite because I always have something going on. I'm a big NBA fan, and I play NBA DFS quite often. It's actually my favorite DFS sport, so I'll be doing my NBA lineups tonight, and I'll be mock drafting, doing draft champions for baseball, and I love baseball too and have a lot of success in it. So for me, it's uh, it's always something going on. So not it's not a sad day for me. I still have a lot of things to do. Well, that's good for your hobbies or, or, or your professionalism because at, at least it's something that keeps you busy. Imagine having to look up, you know, the 76th offensive guard and start studying his, uh, his pro- player profile for the upcoming NFL draft. Not exactly uh, really exciting. It might not be, but there are times I'm like, man, the people who only do one sport, uh, what is that like? Because you kind of get – I know there's never a break anymore with the way things are, NFL coverage still gets 24-7. But, you know, you can sit back for a little bit, whereas I, we, the people who do multiple sports have to jump right into another sport right away. Uh, I, you know, you have something to fill your time. You, you have something to that, that entertains you. You know, you're, you're doing all the work that goes into it for these DFS lineups, but then you actually get to enjoy watching the game. I'm doing all the homework, all the research, and I don't get to see any of the product on the field or on the court or wherever it is. That's why it's so depressing. All right, that's why you need to get into baseball this year. No, that, 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 listen, I don't say like I don't like saying never ever uh, too lightly. I, I think you know you should never say never. I'll never get into anything fantasy related for baseball. I can't even sit through an inning, let alone actually you know have an idea of what's going on to set a lineup. All right, before I kick you off the show, let's talk football. <laughs> uh, give me your Overall thoughts on the Super Bowl yesterday? Uh, it was boring. It was a boring game. Uh, the lowest scoring game for the, through the first three quarters of a Super Bowl, 6-6. Six, 3-0 six, uh, heading into halftime, then 3-3. Three, three. I guess if you had you know, any combination of the threes or zeros in your box pools or your square pools, whatever people call them, uh, then it went pretty well. But if you had 0-0, zero, zero, you ended up winning in both the first quarter and in the, the, the end of the game. So that was probably the most exciting part for, you know, two or maybe one of the 100 people uh, in your office box pool. I did have 0-0. It only won for the first no, you quarter. Didn't. Yeah, I did. It only won for the first quarter, though, because the final was 3-3. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The, the final, you know what? I'm such an idiot. I'm looking, at, uh, I'm looking at the individual scores by quarter. Duh. Yeah, so 3-3. So the person that had 3-3-3-0 or 0-0, they had, they had a good time. 
Yeah, so I was fortunate to have the first quarter. I was like, kept rooting. I'm like, all right, stay scoreless, stay scoreless. And I was hoping it would stay scoreless the entire game so I could get the zero zeros again, but didn't work out that way. But uh, I think one of the stories here again is uh, Todd Gurley. What, what happened here? Do we believe that he was healthy and he just hasn't been as good the last couple weeks? He has not been on the injury report. We only saw 11 touches from him. And we barely saw him involved in the passing game. Where do you feel and land on the Todd Gurley situation? You know, I think there's only two ways to go about this. You can either, one, ignore what the player is saying while he's insisting that he's healthy. Or you can say, okay, he is healthy, but he just stinks. So which one would Todd Gurley prefer, the fans or, or you know, whoever, what does he prefer we believe? Does he prefer that we think he's a liar and that he's really not healthy? Or does he prefer that he has just stunk the last two games? It's one or the other, right? Either he's not healthy or he stinks. We kind of know that Todd Gurley does not stink. Left league in rushing touchdowns this year with 17. Uh, was one of 15 players in NFL history with over 20 touchdowns in the regular season. And he missed two games during the regular season. So he did all this in 14 games, right? So which one is it, Todd? I mean, do you want us to think that you weren't healthy? Or do you want us to think that you just stunk it up the last two games and they had to put tubby C.J. Anderson in the backfield because you couldn't hang? It, 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 to me, it looks like he's not healthy. I wouldn't be surprised if he has this undisclosed injury or, or an operation or procedure sometime in the next couple of weeks. They'll call it a cleanup thing, and it'll be something a little bit more serious, and we might not ever see any light to the story of his injury. But to me, that, that's got to be what it is. And I know people will say, well, he looked really good in that one run. You could still not be healthy and have that one good run. Maybe you suck it up and you run out there, and then all of a sudden you're in a lot of pain. And maybe that's been the problem is that he can look good for a couple plays, but he just can't stay and run that effectively the entire game. Do you, are you, do you buy the body language? Yes, Absolutely. He, he looked disinterested. I mean, it was the freaking Super Bowl, man, and it, he looked like he didn't want to play. It looked like the entire Rams team didn't want to play, or at least on the offensive side. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just I don't know which is worse. He's not injured and he's playing this poorly, or he's injured. Because to me, it's one of the two. Well, we know by the time drafts come around, and some people do best ball drafts like this month. Uh, I think, obviously, most players will not start doing it till June, July. So we might have further news by then. But say you're doing a basketball draft next week, uh, and this is you know your main sport, pretty much all you do. So I wouldn't be surprised if you jump in one. Right. Based on what we know right now, and you're drafting next week, where do you take Gurley? Because I joked around on Twitter yesterday. I said, does this push Gurley out of the first round now? And I was being sarcastic. A couple of people took me serious. But... Where does it – because I think a lot of people maybe a month ago would say, yeah, Gurley's number one pick next year. Now you're seeing people say, well, I don't know now. Where do you stand on this based on what we know uh, right now? You know, probably – excuse me. Probably right around that uh, top five spot, four, five, six. I can see him going. Um, I think Zeke ends up going one or two. I think Saquon goes one or two. Uh, Kamara and, and, and maybe uh, either Melvin Gordon or, or McCaffrey. Um, maybe maybe DeAndre Hopkins or maybe Michael Thomas. But then I, I think Todd Gurley's still right in that McCaffrey, Kamara, fourth or fifth running back off the board. Yeah, and I think if we had this discussion about a month ago, Gurley would be one or two. 
but there's definitely some concerns now. So very interested to see how some of these early drafts play out and whether in a couple of weeks we do get some news on Gurley that he does have some minor surgery or not because it definitely was one of the big mysteries of this game. Joined by Bill Enright from FF Champs talking about the Super Bowl. Uh, Adam, a- Adam, one thing one thing before you before we move on from Gurley. Don't forget, last year's draft, Gurley was, was a one-man show. They, they signed C.J. Anderson, and now they're talking about they want to re-sign him. So that's going to affect his stock a little bit too, whether or not we ever find out he's, he's a little bit injured. Can someone help me with C.J. Anderson? Okay. No idea. No idea what, what happened there. I have no idea. Wait, like, okay, he came in and Gurley was hurt. He ran well against Arizona and San Francisco. Great. You know, those are run defenses you can exploit. Then he had a good game against Dallas, who is not as good on the road against the run, and the Rams saw something in their defense that tipped him off, and that's why they ran all over him. Goes against the Saints, wasn't good. Goes against the Patriots, wasn't good. I, what, what, why, why are they infatuated with C.J. Anderson for? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know if that has anything to do with what's going on with Todd Gurley. Sometimes that's, you know, some kind of, like, shady stuff that's going on in the building, and they want to hype up the fact that they like C.J. Anderson and they want to resign him. Maybe Todd Gurley is, is unhappy. I'm not, you know, this is not um, rumor hour. This is, I'm, not, I'm not speculating. I'm, I'm just saying who knows what's really going on. I'm not trying to start any rumors, but this is not, don't take this as official news. I'm just saying who knows what's really happening behind the scenes. Maybe they need to hype up C.J. Anderson and they want to resign him only because Todd Gurley is either A, not healthy, B, not out, not happy, or, you know, something else. Maybe he's having a mental breakdown. Who knows? Um, but the, the fact that they like C.J. Anderson so much, when two other teams cut him, one of which was the Oakland Raiders, who were desperate for playmakers on offense, I don't know. But I, I think if Andrew Whitworth ends up retiring, I think if C.J. Anderson ends up resigning, I think Todd Gurley ends up going outside that top three. Yeah, and it looks like there's a strong possibility that happens. Jared Goff was terrible in this game. He had Brandon Cooks for a touchdown in the end zone and waited too long, didn't see him. There were other throws he missed. Obviously, he was under pressure. And he did not play well in the second half of the season, whether it coincided with the absence of Cooper Cup. But we saw a lot of games. Week 13 on, he had that one game in Week 17 where he had four touchdowns against San Francisco. He had one touchdown or fewer in those four other games. He didn't, do, he didn't need to do anything against Dallas. He had one touchdown against the Saints, although he made a couple throws late, and he wasn't good in this one. What does this do for Jared Goff, not only his stock in fantasy next year, but are we convinced he's the quarterback of the future for the Rams, or do we have questions? Oh, no, 100%. I mean, he, I think he's the guy for them for sure. Let's not, let's not forget, he, he had you know 4,600 yards and, and 32 touchdowns this year. Um, he, he played incredible this season. I mean, his – his completion percentage went up. His yardage went up by about a thousand. His touchdowns went up by five. Um, he scored an average of four more points per game on a on a fantasy basis. Um, I think Jared Goff can can be right there with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson as the next face of the NFL. Um, I think the NFL needs those three players to have really incredible, great seasons over the next ten years, and I, I think they're all three of them. Watson, Mahomes, and Goff are all certainly capable of doing that. Um, but, but he's only 24 years old. I mean, 24 years old, incredible head coach, incredible offensive coordinator, um, play caller, whatever you want to call McVay. 
Um, Goff's not going anywhere. No way. Where does the blame fall in this game for the reason why the Rams were held to three points and basically didn't show up? Like, who deserves the biggest blame here? I think um, all anyone that discounted how good Bill Belichick is. Who would do that? Because I think every because I, well, I think everyone wanted to fall in love with how brilliant Sean McVay is, right? How much of a genius Sean McVay is. But at the same time, were, were we forgetting that Belichick is? Uh, you know, an evil genius mastermind that always comes up with a plan. You know, people look at the Eagles. Oh, well, he didn't have a plan against the Eagles. Okay. Well, (laughs) (laughs) he ended up benching his starting quarterback because he's a maniac and didn't want him to play because who knows why he was late for a meeting or something or didn't show up to practice. But he benches his starting quarterback. The the team gives up 500 passing yards. Um, It takes a a, uh, Zach Ertz touchdown that in the regular season would have been called incomplete. So, you know, I think the Patriots were certainly capable of running the table uh, three years in a row. Okay, they lost to the Eagles. The Eagles outplayed them in that game. But they didn't, they, Bill Belichick wasn't going to let Sean McVay outcoach him. And that's what happened. They, the Patriots just had an answer for everything the Rams were going to do, and they did some unique things to rattle off a little bit that I don't think he has been used to seeing. And I don't want to put the blame on the Rams. I, I'd rather say, wow, the Pats held the Rams to thirty uh, to three points when they were averaging 32 points um, during the regular season. Uh, you know, the, the, the differential between their average season, their average score on a weekly basis, 32 points, and they only scored three points. The 29-point differential was the lowest ever in Super Bowl history. Um, the second lowest was a couple years ago with, with – the Seahawks and the Broncos, when, when, when Payton had the touchdown record. Um, I think theirs was 29.47, and then the Rams was like 29.87 or something like that. So I'd rather give the credit to the Pats than, than point the finger at the Rams. Yeah, I, I saw on VegasWhispers.com, we did our picks. You had the Pats minus two and a half, as did I, and that's the reason why. Like, I, have, I thought for a good portion of this year, I'm like, this is just not the Patriots here. I don't think it's going to happen. But I looked at this game and I said, Belichick, Brady versus McVay and Goff. I cannot pick the Rams. I think the Rams might be the more talented team overall. But two weeks, I could not pick. And I wanted the Rams to win. I'm like, I can't. I got to go with the Patriots here. I've kind of went against them in the AFC games, and I was wrong. And I couldn't do it in this Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm, I, right. Right. I, I, I just think people look at. I think people compare this year's Patriots team to all the other Patriots teams. And they say, okay, well, they're not as good as that 2007 team, even though they ended up, you know, the 18 and one team. Um, they're not as good as, you know, that team that beat the Seahawks. But if you just look at the Patriots, instead of looking at them for past, past teams, I think if you look at them for the entire NFL this year, I think they were up there as a legit contender all season. But we've just been so spoiled by their dominance that we didn't take them too seriously. Or when I say we, it's, you know, the Royal we. Uh, most NFL fans didn't, didn't take them as a legitimate contenders when as long as they have Belichick and Brady, like the AFC East will not have another champion unless one of those two guys retire. It's just not going to happen. And, and it's going to go on until Brady says I'm done. I also think that they just – played their best in the playoffs too i think they're to the point where they kind of coast through the regular season and i know you can't really do that in the nfl 
but because of the division, they're able to. They just turned it to another level, I thought. I mean, they smacked the Chargers around. They had control of the Chiefs until the Chiefs' offense woke up in the second half. They just played their best ball in the playoffs with, with everything on the line. You know, so I, I host, you know I host a radio show for them. I'm, I'm really yes. close with a lot of their, their people within the organization. Just, so I follow them pretty closely. I'm not a Pats fan. I follow them very closely just because of uh, the things I do um, for the organization. You have to remember that, one, Tom Brady did not show up to OTAs or pre- or um, whatever, minicamp, veterans minicamp, whatever the hell they call it, uh, did not show up to, to, to either of them for the first time in his career. That was major, major news, okay? Brady didn't show up. There's a rift between him and Belichick. The TB12 method stealing away guys from the Patriots trainers. Belichick want, wanted to trade Gronk, all this stuff. Then – if you remember, Edelman was suspended for the first four games of the year. They had no wide receivers. They brought in Jordan Matthews. They ended up getting rid of it. They brought in Josh Gordon. They, they had to get rid of him. They brought in a ton of wide receivers, ton of weapons. This team had problems for the first month of the season, but then they ended up figuring it out like they always do. That is absolutely true. And uh, Bill Enright, you can find him ffchamps.com as he now goes into scouting the 56th offensive lineman on the Division Three team, getting you set for the draft. So, Bill, I don't want to take up any of that time for you scouting and watching that video, so go have some fun. That, uh, long live football, I'm going baseball. Ah, uh, come on, Bill. All right, that's he's still a good guy. Bill Enright, ffchamps.com, as we get his thoughts here on the Super Bowl. When we return, I will wrap it up, get you set for the night in NBA DFS. Who's going to win your money? I'll let you know next. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-625-4922 for your free DVD videos and brochure that's 800-625-4922 thermospas hot tubs designed to improve your life call 800-625-4922 today to take advantage of zero percent apr financing in this league if the knicks draw the number one overall pick the nba conspiracy theory theorists <laughs> are going to go absolutely crazy i mean the illuminati nba stuff you you could not be more right <laughs> the nba almost needs to tamper with their lottery so the knicks don't get it because you're Right. If that happens, because then it'll be Knicks get it, Durant signs there, and everyone is going to cry foul. You're right. It'll be just like the people that complain about Tom Brady. Saturdays, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers.
It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern in our new time slot here. Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. You can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com, or get you set to dominate in the fantasy baseball season as our draft kit is putting out a ton of content right now. In-depth team profiles from... Sean Childs, and I'm taking a look at a lot of free agents that have left teams, what it means for their fantasy value. AJ Pollock, Nelson Cruz, Sonny Gray, Yasiel Puig are among a lot of the players that I've taken a look at already, and a lot more to come. Jamison Tyon profile, as well as Jesus Aguiar, a potential, uh, can you follow that breakout with another one this year? I'll let you know. Let's take a look at the Knights in NBA DFS. And here's some of the news that we have already. Eric Gordon has been ruled out tonight for the Rockets. They're playing the Suns. He's dealing with right knee soreness. We also have some news for players uh, tomorrow. Kyrie Irving already ruled out with a left hip strain against the Cavaliers. I mean, clearly they're resting this guy. I mean, he has sat out against some easy opponents. Yeah, then he's playing against better opponents. Now, he did play against the Knicks on Friday at the Garden, and obviously the fans were cheering for him. Not a surprise there. And he did play against the Thunder yesterday and had a big game. So I think you're going to see this from time to time with Irving. They want to make sure he's healthy for the playoffs, even though they're battling and could move up for a seed, but they probably figure, all right, we can get by the Cavaliers without Kyrie, so... When we've seen Terry Rozier always be a good play whenever Kyrie is out. So I'm interested to see now that the sites have some advanced notice to see what the price is going to be on Rozier tomorrow uh, because he'll be popular. So I think some sites might adjust relatively quickly because they have this news and others you might get him at a discount. So pay attention to that tomorrow because definitely Rozier will be the popular play. Kyle Lowry is doubtful for the game tomorrow against the Sixers. He didn't practice out uh, today, and he didn't play Sunday. So he's been dealing with this back injury for about two months now. So he's already had some anti-inflammatory shots. So something to keep an eye on, and that obviously would be good for Fred Van Fleet. Uh, Cody Zeller went through five-on-five practice today, and he had a padded glove on his hand, and uh, he could be back uh, relatively soon. So uh, potentially as soon as tomorrow. Not like the centers on the Hornets have been doing much, but Zeller at a cheap price and a good matchup. You know, could be a potential DFS play and certainly someone that could maybe help in seasonal. Karis LeVert could be back in Brooklyn's lineup before the All-Star break, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. That is really good news because LeVert, when that injury happened, it looked bad. I thought he was done for the season. And if he's out in your waiver wire, go get him now. Uh, He was playing extremely well. Before he went down, he was averaging over 18 points a game, almost four assists, 1.2 steals, 1.4 threes. So it might take him some time to get back into form, but uh, Brooklyn's playing well. They're in uh, competition for a playoff spot, and Lavert can really play a factor down the stretch. Uh, Jonas Valchunas is expected to return this week as well. So keep that in mind if uh, he's a free agent in your league as well. But uh, let's take a look at the slate for tonight. And we have the Hawks at the Wizards kicking off at 7 p.m. Eastern. Vegas total is 233, and the Vegas spread is 6. Wizards favored by 6. This is a really good game for DFS. I think you definitely want to have some players in this game. 
John Collins is in a good spot. He destroyed the Suns the other night. I mean, that was a great matchup. Uh, 35.16 rebounds. And the Wizards are not good against power forwards. So Collins definitely in play tonight. Salary's a little bit high. I know on Yahweh's 33, 81 on DK, 7,600 on FanDuel. So probably someone you're looking at more in tournaments as opposed to cash. But he's in a good spot. Trey Young's been playing really well lately. He was a guy that I really didn't use much early in the year. But I have been using him lately. And uh, the price has gone up, but he does have upside. So especially, you know, on sites that'll give you the bonus for three-pointers, uh, I think Young is in play. He's been shooting a lot of threes lately, 29 threes over the last three games, 76 on Fandle, 76 on DK as well. So I think he's definitely in play. And maybe Kevin Horder. Uh, he's been playing 30-plus minutes lately, so uh, he could be a factor. I would like prefer if he starts. We did see Torian Prince uh, start. In the last game, he played 33 minutes. Uh, he hasn't been great this year, but it is a good matchup here. So uh, definitely some guys in Atlanta you can consider. On the Wizards side, there's a lot to like here. I like Bradley Beal. I know the price has really gone up, but this is a really good spot for him. 91 on DK, 9,300 on FanDuel. I think he's 40 on Yahoo. Definitely going to get him in some of my Yahoo lineups tonight, but it's a really good spot. There's other Wizard value, too. I like Otto Porter. You know, he's moving into the starting lineup the last couple games. He's been playing in the mid-30s as far as minutes. He's 5'9 on DK and 6,600 on Fandle. He's 20 on Yahoo. I like Porter tonight. Definitely going to have him in some of my lineups. Uh, Trevor Ariza, too. Uh, Ariza's been playing well lately. He's 57 on DK, 61 on Fandle. And uh, I would also even take a look at Jeff Green uh, because uh, he's been you know, playing a lot of minutes over the last five games, uh, like 30, 31 minutes over the last five, and he's cheap. Uh, he is 49 on DK, 5,400 on FanDuel. So I think there's a lot of options here. I don't think I'm going to play Sadoransky, the point guard. Uh, he's 56 on DK, 65 on FanDuel. Uh, he only played 24 minutes last game. It was against the Bucks, So that's a possibility. It's a much better matchup. But looking at the teams that I put together so far, I really don't have, I don't have any exposure to him right now uh, based on uh, the early news and the lineup construction for today. Denver's at Detroit. This is a 7 p.m. Eastern game. The Nuggets favored by four. The Vegas total is 209. Gary Harris has already been ruled out with that groin injury. Jamal Murray is listed as questionable. Paul Millsap also questionable into this game as well. So we're going to have to wait and see what we do with the Nuggets because Jamal Murray, it's a big piece of information that we need because if he's out, I'm going back to my guy, Monty Morris, who I've had in my seasonal league like three times this year. I drafted him, dropped him, picked him up again, dropped him. Yeah, and I wish I had him right now because my opponent had him this past week and uh, helped him uh, edge me out 6-3. So Monty Morris' price has gone up, 6000 on DK, 5800 on Fandle. He's 24 on Yahoo. I'm still playing him. As long as Jamal Murray is out and he's in the starting lineup, I will play him. His last five games, you know, he's averaged almost 15 points. Uh, he, he gets rebounds, 4.6 rebounds, and almost six assists per game. And it's a good matchup here. Malik Beasley could be interesting now. He's mainly a scorer and shoots threes, but 55 on DK, 49 on Fandle. That's if he starts, though, because he's not a lock to start. So at least we should know early on because that's a 7 p.m. Eastern game. Uh, and again, Paul Millsap, if he's out, that could open the uh, door for uh, Mason Plumley or potentially maybe Trey Lyles. So we'll see who they start. If Plumley were to start... Uh, we'll look at him. He's 41 on DK, 42 on Vandal. So Denver is the one team that we're really paying attention to here because it's going to open up some value or 
change who we want to play from this team. Of course, Nikola Jokic always in play. He's 10-5 on DK, 11-3 on FanDuel. I will have him in a lineup or two tonight, especially in tournaments. Uh, for the Detroit side, uh, I, I, you know, I've said this. I said it last week. Really, the only guys I play on Detroit is Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. But I actually do like Reggie Jackson. I mean, his salary on FanDuel is 5200 He's actually been playing well lately. Um, he's averaging 24 points and 7 assists over his last three games. I think he's 20 on Yahoo, so I'm considering him there as well. So he's in play. And I really don't see the need to play Drummond and Griffin. Now, they'll be very low-owned if you play in tournaments. Uh, but I don't really love the spot for them here tonight. So uh, Reggie Jackson, probably the only guy on Detroit as of right now that I'm going to go with. The Bucks are at the Nets. That game starts at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. The Bucks are favored by 7. Vegas total is 227.5. we got to keep an eye here on Eric Bledsoe. He is currently listed as probable dealing with an Achilles injury. He missed the last game. Obviously, if he's out, that's going to help the rest of the guys like Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon. They would become more appealing. Generally, when the Bucks are completely healthy, I don't play many of them. I mean, it's usually Giannis. Of course, he's always in play. He should have a good game tonight. He's 10-9 on DK, 11-6 on FanDuel. But I do like Brooke Lopez tonight because, as if you know, if you've listened, we play centers against the Nets. Also, if you buy into the narrative, Brooke Lopez used to play for them, so you could look at that as a revenge game. But he had 24 points the last time he faced the Nets. And he's affordable. He is 54 on DK, 64 on FanDuel. So I like him tonight. Uh, I would give Brogdon and Middleton a boost if Bledsoe is out. If they play, uh, you could look at them. But again, they're just not as appealing. For the Nets, uh, the one guy that I've been playing a lot lately is D'Angelo Russell. Again, his price has risen. He's 79 on DK, 85 on FanDuel. It's a tough spot here, especially if Bledsoe plays. This is a good defensive team, so I don't know if I want to play him. But I have been getting Russell at low ownership lately, and I think he'll be low-owned tonight too. I don't know if people are going to pay up for him. There are some value guards that I see on the slate and maybe potentially opening up. So uh, I might put Russell in one of my lineups, but I don't like the matchup. I'm leaning towards no, so I'm really... Really don't love anyone on the net side. Maybe Ed Davis, if you want. Uh, tournaments, 41 on DK, 52 on FanDuel. But uh, not much here on the net side. But again, Russell has huge upside. So wouldn't use him in cash, but definitely can consider him in tournaments because we've seen him put up these 40, 50-point fantasy point games recently. Pacers are at the Pelicans. This game starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. The Pacers are favored by one. The Vegas total is 217.5. And, and Pelicans are really banged up right now. Still without several of their players. So there are some guys on the Pacers I like tonight. I think you can look at Darren Collison. My one concern is does Drew Holiday guard him a little bit more? But Collison has got a good matchup if he doesn't see too much Holiday defense. He's 62 on DK, 6,500 on FanDuel. I like Miles Turner tonight in tournaments, uh, especially like FanDuel and Yahoo, and I'm playing on Yahoo, so I'm using him. Uh, it's a good spot for him going up against Jaleel Okafor, and Turner has that upside. And, you know, he can get four, three, four blocks. He can get the rebounds. And he is 6,300 on DK, 71 on FanDuel. And I think he's 24 on Yahoo. Was uh, putting in some preliminary lineups last night, and I think that was his price there. Also like Thaddeus Young as well. He's coming off a good game. He's 58 on DK, 6,300 on FanDuel. So I think there are some players that you can look at in this spot. 
Uh, even Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, he's 5,700 on both sites. Uh, he's coming off a good game, obviously, seeing a little bit more action with Victor Oladipo out. Uh, 31 points last game, so I think he's in consideration as well. For the Pelicans, Anthony Davis is out. Nikola Miritich is out. Etwan Moore is out. Alfred Payton is out. Julius Randle is out. So you know the story here. Uh, Jaleel Okafor has been playing great, but his price has gone up. He's now 71 on DK, 75 on FanDuel, and we'll see Miles Turner. So not in love with him tonight. Uh, I think Drew Holiday, right now I don't have him in. Uh, his price has gone up, and him and Beal I think are like the same price on Yahoo. So I'm leaning towards playing Beal. I think he's in a better spot. But Drew can go off at any time, and they need him to do a lot. So he's in play. 87 on DK, 91 on FanDuel. Of course, we got some of this value for the Pelicans now that they're seeing major minutes. Kemrich Williams has been playing very well. 43 on DK, 49 on 100 on FanDuel. I think he's in play. Fred Jackson's coming off his best game. And there was one night where I used him where I finished 11th overall in that tournament on Yahoo, and he only gave me 20. So if he could have done a little bit more, it could have been even higher. But he's 37 on DK, 39 on FanDuel. He's the minimum 10 on Yahoo. So I would really like him if, if he can start, but he's been playing pretty well lately, and I think they want to see him in action. So he's in play if you want to save some salary. So there are some options here. I mean, Darius Miller is seeing major minutes, uh, but he's dependent on scoring. I don't love his price uh, at 48 on DK and 48 on Fandle. I'm probably looking elsewhere. I guess more acceptable on Fandle where you have to use the two small forwards, and of course you can always drop the lowest score. So if he fits your build, fine, but I wouldn't be looking to target him. Rockets at the Suns, 9 p.m. Eastern. Rockets favored by 8. Vegas total is 230. Remember, Eric Gordon has been ruled out. Chris Paul is expected to play. Uh, of course, the question is, what do you do with Harden? And I think a lot of people are like, well, Paul's back, so I'm not going to play him. We have seen Harden put up big games without Paul. I don't think you have to get Harden in your lineup tonight. I mean, the Vegas total's spread is only 8. I thought it would have been higher because that's the other question is, can this game stay competitive? You know, how many minutes will Harden play? I think he's in play. I don't think you have to use him in cash. I already have him in one of my tournament lineups. He's 12-9 on DK, 13-8 on FanDuel. There are a couple of other superstars that we can pivot to, like Giannis and Jokic. So I don't think you have to. But uh, again, with Gordon out too, that could mean some more shots. Uh, Chris Paul, interested to see what the minutes are going to be. He's 66 on DK, 7,300 on FanDuel. I think he's 28 on Yahoo. I, ha I haven't put him in the lineup yet. I think he's in play for sure. Uh, maybe he gets, again, more shots with Gordon out. I like Kenneth Fareed. Good matchup here. He's 7 on DK, 88,000 on FanDuel. I think he's 24 on Yahoo. So I will look to Fareed. This is a really good spot here against the Suns. So those are the guys I'm looking at for the Rockets. For the Suns, they've been playing terrible. Uh, Devin Booker coming off a great game. I think you, he'll be low-owned because I think people are going to go in the Beal holiday territory. So I might get Booker in one of my lineups in case he goes off. But, you know, Chris Paul potentially could guard him. So that would be the one thing uh, to keep in mind. DeAndre Ayton came back uh, one game ago and played well against the Hawks. So it's not a tough matchup tonight here for him. Uh, he's someone you could look at in tournaments. 68 on DK, 7,400 on FanDuel. And I am using Mikael Bridges. He's been playing better lately. I'm using him on Yahoo. I think he's 16. He's 44 in DK. I, I might use him there too. 57 on FanDuel. So he's been showing some upside lately. So I would consider him. And we got the Spurs at the Kings tonight. 
The Vegas total is Spurs by two and 227 and a half. This is a pretty high number. I think people are surprised by that. The Spurs have had some shootouts lately. So I think there are definitely guys that you could look at here in this game. It could be sneaky, and it is the hammer. Derek White is out for the Spurs. So interested to see who starts. So you might be looking at Patty Mills or Bryn Forbes as a value. Forbes, 43 on Fandle, 4,000 on DK. Mills is 4,100 on both sites. So they're in play. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is in a good spot. He's 8,000 on DK, 9,500 on FanDuel. So definitely on DK, and I'm considering him on Yahoo as well. DeMar DeRozan as well. He's in a good spot, and especially with White out, that will help him. He's 75 on DK, 78 on FanDuel. For the Kings, I mean, again, they play so many guys, but this is a pretty good spot here. Marvin Bagley, someone I've been using a lot lately. He's 55 on DK, 6,200 on FanDuel. He's been playing very well, and he's played at least 28 minutes in four of his last five games. I think, of course, uh, De'Aaron Fox is in play. He's got huge upside. He's been inconsistent, so more for tournaments. I'll probably have some exposure to him. He's 73 on DK, 76 on FanDuel. Buddy Heal's been playing well lately. He's 67 on DK, 66 on FanDuel uh, for the Kings. So pretty good slate tonight. I think it should be a lot of fun. And uh, right now, we're waiting on the Denver news. That's really big with Jamal Murray. We're waiting on the Eric Bledsoe news. So, again, this is just the blueprint, a summary, a lock and change over the next couple hours before lineup lock. And if you head over to scoutdfs.com, we'll have you covered with the optimizer and the Slack chat leading up to lineup lock. And check out scoutfantasysports.com. Bats 50 gets you 50% off your first two months. That wraps it up here. I'll be back Tuesday with Dr. Otto, 2 p.m. Fantasy Sports Radio Network.